Tom Rocket from the Brisbane Lions. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. David Mundy from the Fremantle Dockers. Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Bob Murphy from the Western Bulldogs. It's Brad Ebert from the Port Adelaide Football Club. I am Andrew Swally from the North Melbourne Football Club. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. Hi, I'm Gary Ablett from the Gold Coast Suns, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Nine rounds of fantasy football down for sportsdeck.com. And you are, my friend, about to enter into the multi-buyer rounds. This round, 10 round, is the last of the quote-unquote normal rounds until you're just getting through that three-week multi-buyer period of round 11, 12, and 13, where multiple sides will miss. The good news, you do get three trades per week and hopefully use them really well throughout the buys over this next month that you come out of it heading into round 14 with a stronger side and an almost, in a dream world, an almost completed side. It's MJ from the Coaches Panel, and joining me to chat through all the big dream team issues of the week, I've got Fish on the line. Hello. G'day, MJ. Mate, it's good to have you on board. All right, there is plenty of stuff for us to talk about. Uh, Before we do it, uh, kind of a question without notice. Every side's unique. Every side's in a different position. However, entering the buy round, again, knowing that it really fully starts next week, at what sort of point should we be starting to look at how many trades we have left versus how many upgrades left to go for? Yeah, I think once we get through the buy round, you can probably sit back and and have a bit of a look at that. The way I always try to do it, and especially at this stage of the season, is go through each line and realistically say... Yes, I want him in my completed team, or no, he's not good enough to be an on-field starter in the team and then start to work back from there. I would think coming out of the buy rounds when you do that, and if you count what trades you've got left, so, you know, counting a typical two trades is to upgrade a particular player in a line, I'd Mm -hmm. be thinking once you've done all of that, you'd be hopeful that you've got at least six to eight trades left. Post buy rounds, if you've got a completed side and your thoughts on field, um, just working through those type of numbers, I think. All right, fair enough. Look, most coaches are in, in a variance depending on how much injury luck they have or haven't had, and and the nailing of their premiums and the rookies. Most coaches seem to be kind of around that twenty-two to seventeen sort of mark, including trades this week. Some may be a little bit less or more either side, but that certainly seems to be where coaches are. High teens, maybe, maybe, you know, with a couple into the twenties, if a lot of luck's gone their way, or they're being very conservative. Yeah, and that, I suppose it's all dependent on whether you're playing the end game to try and get that overall ranking, or whether mm. you're going for you know. Uh, leagues against your friends. It's yeah, all of those variables come into it with the amount of trades that you have left at this stage. Yeah, they certainly do. Uh, all right, man. Well, well, there are one good news for coaches, and it's something that we've never had to encounter before in Dream Team, and that is entering into the multi-buy rounds with two clubs available to play every single game through that three-week period. That means our Gold Coast players and our Port Adelaide players really can be considered great upgrade targets. And I want to talk through some of those options in just a moment, line by line. Before we do that, Fish, what's the difference between upgrading to help you through a three-week period versus upgrading to get the best available? Because I think sometimes what we can do as Dream Team coaches is go and pick a player based on buy structure, not go and pick a player that we think is the best available for our side in that line. 
Yeah, you've probably got to look at the price range of the guys and, and try and make a comparison around about there. I suppose if you just, you know, pull a name out of a hat, um, say in particular, you know, maybe a Gary Ablett, who's at that 670-type thousand. We've seen Gaz, how he started the season. If you had to pick a trade this week, you know, you'd work out what he's going to go at over the next, um, the rest of the season. Obviously, he's going to play all three buy rounds and maybe compare him to a, a Zach Merritt, I think is near enough in price to him. Yeah, about 20,000 different. Merritt. Yep, obviously Merritt's going to miss one of the buy rounds, so you do have to take that into consideration in that week. Um, but ultimately, you know, if you think that Merritt's going to go up maybe five to ten points more a game than Ablett from here on, and I think that's pretty reasonable. Yep. I don't think that's outside of it. Ten rounds, you know, there might be a hundred points in there. So, you know, having Ablett in Merritt's buy round as opposed to Merritt, fielding Ablett over maybe a rookie, there might be 50 or 60 points there. Mm. So you're probably still picking up 50 points overall by going a Zach Merritt over a Gary Ablett at this stage, um, depending on how your other buy structure works out. So I think that is what we've got to look at. Uh, yep. And it'll be like for like on other types of lines as well, you know, the defenders and forwards. So yes, you could get one of these guys at Taddy's buy, but ultimately, will that actually cost you points overall, you know, for all of a maybe a 50-point bump over the buy round? Sure. Well, there are a couple of great midfield options. You've already alluded to one of them for us. There are three guys I'd really like to highlight. You could include four if you look at a Michael Barlow. Although I don't think for Dream Team characters as a midfielder, he's one of those real premium options for us so far this year. He's only really had one stinker, but I think I think one real bolter of a game too. Brad Ebert's yeah, available. Think, Sorry, are you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I think you're right with Barlow there. He's, his role's been thrown out a little bit. If you yeah. see him play that pure mid-role, he racks them up. But it has been a bit of an up and down. And I think, you know, going now with the, the actual mids, it's not really, <coughs> excuse me, um, someone that you want to try and fit into your team is a guy yeah. that's going to go, you know, 80, 90, yep, 120, 80, 90, 120, top thing. Yeah, if you're bringing in a midfielder at this point from the rest of the year, they need to be going probably a minimum of 105 for the remainder of the year. But if you're paying more than that, they then need to match their pricing output. So someone like a Brad Ebert is a viable option at $584,900. However, he's flying along this year. So you're going to want to have a really strong 105 to 110 push from him from the rest of the year. Just about 20000 less is Aaron Hall at $571,000. And then probably the most expensive of the lot, Gary Ablett, $673,600. However, he is far and above the better scoring option so far this year, but he does cost you that extra 100000 how, how do you rank probably those three? Because you could throw the likes of a Boke in there or a Barlow, but I just don't think they're going to be great long-term options for us this year. How do you rate those three? And if you were to target one of them, which would you be going for? I suppose if cash wasn't an issue, then probably Ablett, just based on what he's done this year. We've really seen him this year score very well in the, the Dream Team style of format, um, getting a lot of touches in his tackling again as well. Aaron Hall, uh, I do like for the $100,000 that it does save you over an Ablett, but yeah. again, it's, it's a consistency thing with him, and we've seen that over the last two years, even when he's had these massive runs, he is prone to throwing, throwing in the odd shocker. Mm. Um yeah, probably those. And Ebert, look, we always, I think most people don't even give Ebert a second second look. Mm. But his numbers this year, he does warrant actually having a really good look at him and saying, oh, you know, maybe I could consider him. 
but I just don't think, um, you know, when you can look at, say, holding off for another week or two and getting a Josh Kennedy for a game close to $80,000 less, yeah. that it's worthwhile looking at him. So from those, I think, you know, Gaz, purely because he's a captain option, yep. um, he could be looked at going forward. All right, let's look at the defensive line. You've got a Cade Kolejasny, who's just uh, 435,900. He's averaging in the mid-80s so far. Uh, really, again, only the one real quiet sub-70 game from him. And then a Jasper Pittard, who's averaging in the mid-90s, 510,000. They're probably the pick of the bunch for us in the back line. If you had to go one, again, one's about 70,000, 80,000 more expensive than the other. Which way would you be leaning to? And would you be comfortable with them being your D5, D6 for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think both of those guys are worth looking at, especially in that D5, D6 position. Probably just from a, a dollar perspective, I'd be looking at KK. Okay. Um, and going into this week, like even, you know, a March Bank might even just be a bit of a exchange across to a Pittard. And March Bank's basically a straight swap to a KK. Uh, and I think that that's a very good move for any side going forward. All right, fair enough, too. Uh, then we look at the ruck line. It's Wits and Ryder. I think both of them were starting squad options. Uh, um, the gap you're getting from a scoring potential between a Martin, Grundy, uh, and more recently as well, the likes of a Jacobs and a Goldstein, let alone Nankervis, who's a very popularly owned player in Dream Team as well. I'm not too sure I'd be considering either of those guys upgrade targets. No, I think you can put a line through them, as you said, starting only. All right, then let's look at the forward line. Some unique options. Wingard at 498000 and then Tom Lynch of the Gold Coast variety at 480000 Both can go on runs. Both have some ceiling about them. But from the question marks around Tom Lynch is he needs goals to impact on a DT scoring level. And then Wingard, well, he really needs to be getting up the ground. Um, to be maximising and going 90-95 for the rest of the year. Do you believe both those guys can do it? Because they've shown it certainly at times. I think Wingard is probably the, the pick of the two of those. He's got a lot of... He's obviously shown the ability to find the ball yeah. um, since he's gone into that. It's almost a pure midfield role with Robbie Gray being stationed forward over the last month. He's getting a lot of uncontested ball. Um not as many marks and tackles as what you probably want from one of those guys playing in that, that role. But at yeah. the same time, you know, he's picking up his 25 to 30, 35 touches a week and, and sort of sitting around that 90 to 100, which is pretty reasonable. Um, you'd look at that for your last forward spot. I suppose the only other option from, from those buy rounds, and he was very popular at the start of the season, is a Tuk Miller. Is, yeah. is a midfield spot going to open up for him again? Is he going to have the end of the season that he had last year? Obviously, last year, a lot of it was based on the way that that team, I suppose, was hit by injury and the midfield spot was there. Mm. But I'd, I'd be keeping an eye on him over the next couple of weeks and just seeing if he can get back into that midfield role. Uh, and just seeing whether there, there is a bit of a spot opens up, does Gold Coast change anything up? Because at his price and with his DPP, he's not going to be the worst guy to have as a floating, say, mid-nine, uh, four-seven type guy. Yeah, he's going to see you back $436,300. And you're right, early on in the year, he was getting his fair share of midfield rotations. He opened up the year with a 108, an 82, a 107. Um, and then pretty much from round four onwards, he's yet to go over 90, and that's where some of that cash has dropped off. But as you've alluded to, at his price, what he can do, given the DPP, there are certainly worse options available, that is for sure. 
yeah, we've got to look at this at this stage. You've got to find the bargain where, where you can get it. I mean, Ross Lyon said with the likes of Sonny Walters, you know, four weeks ago, we're going to move him into the midfield. And the Stute coaches had a bit of a look at it there, jumped on. They've had a good cash grow from him. I think we've just got to look for a similar role change for um, Took and, and if it does open up, be prepared to jump on him. All right, fair enough. Look, someone a coach may be looking to consider coming off his buy is a Robbie Gray's at $456,800, but with a break-even of one fifty-five and some question marks around about some uh, some injury concerns around his groin. Um, look, I'm not too sure I'd be going anywhere near him regardless, let alone the fact that he's got that high break-even. I think with Robbie Gray, we've got to remember that the amount of I suppose, midfield minutes that he's picked up over the last few years. That's contributing to being a 100-type player. He's playing almost exclusively as a forward. He's limited in what he can do. He's a very special footballer, but he's not chasing. He's not tackling. He's not putting that pressure on. So until you see anything at all um, from him in terms of that defensive pressure, I really can't go near him. Yeah, and and the question mark around that is you're not going to jump on him this week because of it. You're probably going to then, even if he does come out and show that for one game, you'd want to see it for another week. By that point, you're looking at those round 11 midfield options where you have got the Hanavery, you have got the JPK. And potentially, you may want to go and trade back in Tom Rockliffe. So all of a sudden, it you just not got that... Not Flexibility is not the word, but you just don't have the incentive to go and pick him. No, I think with these guys from the, these buy-arounds, if you want to get them, this is the week, next week maybe. But as you said, after that, once the round 11 guys come back into it, then the, I suppose, attractiveness of these guys that had to buy, it's just not there anymore. All right, fair enough. Um, you mentioned earlier, a couple of minutes ago, about talking about bringing in guys on the cheap, and certainly we are needing to look at some cheap cash generation options. One, to keep downgrading to, to be able to maximise further upgrades. But there are a couple of co- options for us uh, already. Hopefully for you last week, you jumped on David Myers. He jumped up 53000 last week. He's got a break-even of negative forty-one. Um certainly not out of the range of pick him, but I think there are some other options. If you have missed Myers, I do think there are some other options to consider. And the first one I want to throw out to you, Fish, is a Daniel Lloyd, $125,300. Not a huge break even, just negative 36. But with injuries galore affecting GWS, you would think that unless one hits him himself, he should have pretty good job security, at least for the next four weeks. Yeah, I think, obviously, Devin Smith having that long-term injury has really opened up a spot um, for Lloyd there. He's played okay in the first two games without being absolutely spectacular, but at this stage, if you're looking for someone to downgrade to get a bit of cash um, to play with through the buys and you can fit him in, he's a great choice. Another one that's on the the bubble for us this week that on face value appears to be a great option, but I do have my concerns around him, and I wonder if you share them as well. Fraser McInnes, a defensive forward. He's got a break-even of negative 47, just a touch over 145,000. My concern is some key tolls coming back into that West Coast side pretty soon. I think Petrie played in the waffle on the weekend and yeah. Scott Lysette, by all accounts, is a week or two away from returning to, to football. So very, very risky selection, even if he gets picked this week. Um there's every chance that he does not play in any of the buy rounds. Right. And, and you really don't want to have that. 
Uh, James Stewart, a slightly more expensive forward option for us again on the bubble this week. Just under 180000 a break-even of negative 33. I'm going to talk about another forward option for us in a moment. If you needed that forward, maybe it's to get rid of a Brett Eddy or an Aaron Black, potentially. Is it worth the trade? Um, again, I think if I was looking at it this week, you can probably use a bit of DPP with any team and get a Lloyd instead of getting a, a Stewart. Sure. He's got that premium on him. Um, look, the Bombers, he fits very well into their structure and, and it works out quite well with him playing inside. But I think with Lloyd this week and potentially another DPP rookie on the bubble next week, I'd be bypassing Stewart personally. All right, fair enough. Look, someone that coaches will be hoping does come back into the side pretty soon is a Ben Ainsworth. He's on the bubble with a break-even of negative 31. He is pretty pricey at $206,000, but with his side coming off the bye, look, he could be one of those options. Maybe you've got the likes of a Kane Turner rolling through your side. Look, it, it could be an option there. Again, DPP. Could be something that's helpful for you, Ben McNeese. I'm not too sure I'd be going anywhere near him, given he's played a couple of games and hasn't been seen for the past month or almost. Uh, the best or one of the best break-even options for us is a guy. Hopefully, he's still in your side, Nick Newman. He's already up to three hundred ninety-one thousand. He's got a break-even of negative thirty-two. He could actually be someone we look at holding for the year again with him staying in the best 22 of Sydney. <laughs> but he could be that sort of player we look to hold for our D6, D7, or do we cut our losses or our gains, should I say, and the moment we can pretty much sideways trade him, do it? Uh, a week ago, I would have said I'm not keeping him. Um, after last week's game, I'm thinking, oh, I've got a spot there for him. I can actually get him through the buys, no problems at all. Mm. And I think with that, until he gives a reason, or probably until John Romai gives us a reason not to keep him, I'd be rolling with him, keeping him on the field. He finds the football. He's he's done it in the lower levels. Um, he's a very good kick. We've spoken about this before. They do look for him to use it. Mm. Jared McVeigh's in and out of the team with injury. Rampy obviously coming back is there as well, but I, I see no reason at the moment to be panicking and getting rid of him. The likes of him, and as we spoke before, maybe a KK as a D6, D7. Mm. I think that's a great, great option to finish the year with. All right, fair enough. And an interesting one. Again, coaches may have jumped early on a Daniel Lloyd, or they may be looking to almost do a double downgrade this week to ensure they can go on kind of an upgrading frenzy through the next couple of weeks. So potentially they could be looking at jumping on Adelaide debutant Hugh Greenwood, mid-forward, $125,300, monster break-even already of negative 117. He's not going to pump out that 93 every single week. He's not going to play Brisbane. But his defensive pressure was strong, and it's something that Riley Knight and Troy Menzel have been okay at doing, but didn't have it as strongly as what we saw evidenced with Hugh Greenwood. He should stay on the side for the next couple of weeks. Is it worth jumping a week earlier on him as opposed to getting a Daniel Lloyd? This is where you do have to have a bit of a look forward and try and work out what you're going to do with those buyers. Is having, you know, the likes of Myers and Lloyd and and can you fit Greenwood in as well? If you would say no to that, I think it's possibly, I'd almost be going in Greenwood over Lloyd this week um, if you're looking forward with that. The other thing that I really like about Greenwood is that 
yeah, the SNFL where he's played there, he has, you know, gone that sort of 20, 25, 30 touches a week with a lot of tackles as well. So we saw that the other night that he had, I think it was eight tackles. He loves to tackle. And there's usually, you know, 20 to 30 points a game if he can do something like that. A couple of goals in there as well. And the role um, that he can play, we see Kirtley Hampton. I think the Crows have announced this morning that Kirtley Hampton's going to be missing for three weeks. Yep. So there's another spot in the midfield rotation that Greenwood to slide into. They would have been impressed with what they saw in his first game. He's shown that he can handle the level. Um, you might even see him slide through the midfield a little bit because he's very good in close and contested also. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of positives to look at him. But as you said, you know, before, he's not playing Brisbane every week. So don't expect that he's going to pump out that 90 a week. I think if you go early on him, um, you know, an average probably 60 to 70 is realistic. But it's more than enough to get through, get the cash, and to play on field for a few weeks over the buys. Uh, he is probably... The most popular trade-in target this week at the moment in Dream Team, and 23% of coaches are trading him into their side a week early in terms of being on the bubble. Fraser McInnes is the next most popular traded-in player. Uh, Just under 6% of coaches are trading him in. A fraction over 4% of coaches are trading in Daniel Lloyd. And then a player I'm really intrigued about, 3% of coaches are trading in Scott Selwood. Just over 330000 a nice big ton on debut for the year, not debut for his side. At his best, historically, he is one of the big premiums for us. When fit and when allowed to not just be a completely negating defender, but actually able to win the ball as well, which was seen this week against the Western Bulldogs. He's got a relatively friendly buy as well with the round 12 buy. Most teams only have Dangerfield. You may have a Gaff or the other Selwood, maybe Dustin Martin as well. Talk to me about trading in Scott Selwood because for really not much money at all, you can bring him into your side and carry him through that buy period, but he'd probably have to become your M8, M9. You could understand if people went with a Jago Amira and a David Swallow, why they'd be hesitant to go with Scooter. Sure. Um, teams have been burnt by those two. And that is the risk, I suppose, when you take these guys that have had injury-interrupted seasons in the past. Obviously, the risk is there. It's very rare for them to go through a whole one. As opposed to, you know, the breakout-type mid-price candidate who is just a kid building. Um, these guys are discounted for a reason, and that's, there's been injuries there. As you said, we've seen in the past when he was at West Coast, you know, he's capable of being 110 mid. Uh, and the 120-odd that he scored the other night, I think two things to take into consideration with that. And one of them is, as you said, that he did play that pure midfield role. Mm. But he also had 17 tackles in that 100. Yeah. I don't think it's physically possible to have 17 tackles a week um, on an ongoing basis. But certainly, Scooter, you can probably see him having, you know, averaging eight tackles a week from here on in. So with that, and if he picks up his 20 touches, he's probably going to be good for an 80 to a 90, which at his price is fantastic. I don't think you'd want to end up with the completed side with him on the field. I think if you do get him, um, he's the type of guy that would be great to keep rolling back through the lines and end up as a mid-nine. Um, but yeah, as to whether you get him this week or not, I'd, I'd want to see him play again. I uh, just personally want to see how he goes. And then look, if he pumps out another 100, it's pretty hard to ignore him. Yes, sure. you're only going to have him for one week and then he has his buy. 
but you know you've just got to think about what it what it can do after that. And the cash generation of a lot of sides is is lacking for mm. these type of guys. If they do present, jump on them and grab them. I'm interested. You touched on on cash generation there. A lot of sides are carrying the lights of a Brett Eddy, um, a Jared Pickett. Um, you may be still stuck with a, a Mitch Hibbard, maybe a Mountford. Uh, for most sides, they've got one, potentially two, kind of spot on their bench at the moment that they're not making any cash. We do have some options coming through now with Lloyd, Greenwood, Sharonberg wouldn't be far away, um, and, and a number of other options like a Nathan Freeman, who, again, hopefully we get to see him post by finally make his debut at an AFL level. What should a coach be looking at? Again, every side is unique. Covering a dead spot like a Brett Eddy for a Hugh Greenwood versus generating cash and getting rid of the likes of, a, I don't know, an Andy Otten or a Caleb Marchbank or a Tom Stewart. At what point do you start being prepared to know that this position may just be thrown away for the rest of the year and being okay to do it versus still trying to generate cash and improve your side? I think it's very important to be keeping a bit of a, an eye on the guys that are running around in the lower levels and just seeing where they're at. Mm. Um, obviously, Brent Eddy, quite a game in the SA NFL on the weekend, but the three before that, he played some great football. So... He's probably not that far away. Um, keep an eye on the teams. If these guys are getting named as emergencies, then I'd be hesitant to move them on. Mm-hmm. If they're going back to the, you know, the VFL, they're like a picket, and it sounds like he's even struggling back there. Yeah, that's where then you've got to start to say, well, what are the chances of him playing? When will he actually play? And then try and work it out from there as to what you do with it. How much you gain. Um, from bringing those guys in with the cash generation versus how much you lose over, say, holding on to a March bank and on when they drop in price sure. is something you've got to work out. But ultimately, you need to keep building the team. So the sooner that you can get the likes of a March bank and on and then that upgraded, the better. And the only way to really do that at the moment is to keep churning through these rookies and hoping you know, that that last spot on the line, like your eddies and your pickets and that, that you can keep them there and just keep rotating elsewhere. I think it's something to keep in mind that DPP works really well for that. So if you do have a, you know, say Greenwood comes in this week, if you can get that link with him being in the midfield and all of your um, forwards having, you know, at least three or four of them having a DPP and trying to get an F7 with a DPP, Mm. then there's no reason whatsoever to be trading it. You can actually keep him in that position. So it's just a case of trying to get that balance right. And I think in some cases, yeah, if you utilise DPP with your trade as opposed to getting rid of the Deadwood, it's mm. probably going to be better for your team long term. All right, fair enough, mate. Uh, there are a couple of options that we probably can start priming ourselves for too from that round 11 buy round. You're going to have the options of a Nick Rewalt in the next couple of weeks. He's going to be arguably bottomed out. A Josh Kennedy uh, from Sydney in the midfield, uh, he's arguably going to have bottomed out. Cade Simpson, another. These are just a couple of the guys we need to start considering, and there are plenty others as well. That's just top of the mind. Do need to start considering, all right, from round 12, I've got some guys to be bringing into my side to be absolutely ensuring I can maximise my scoring potential. Yeah, I think those round 11 guys are really the ones that you've got to look at. Um, 
and even in the the week before the round 13 by it's probably still those same guys again you spoke before about the round 12 premium options and in my opinion that they are pretty limited i think most sides would have either started with them or guys like uh, yo and now to that price range where you probably can't even look at them until they drop off a little bit mm-hmm. So certainly the round 11 I'd be going through, having a look at them there. You know, we've probably seen Dalhouse and McRae slow down in the last couple of weeks, yep. as you said, Rewalt um, through the midfield. The Swans, you know, they're building. I'd be looking at bringing in the likes of, of Hannabury and Kennedy. Hopefully Parker can pick up as well. There are going to be quite a few options there that you can be upgrading to over the first few weeks of the buy. All right, there you go. Hey, mate, appreciate your thoughts as Dream Team coaches prepare for the multi-buy rounds, which start in just about a week's time. Hey, good luck this week with your Dream Team side. Yeah, thanks, mate. Good luck to everyone too. The buys are, look, they're a fun time. They can be quite uh, stressful for people because they're obviously worrying about who they've got on the fields. I suppose one of the things to keep in mind is just have a look at your team. You know, Having 20 players on the field and 10 of them are the rookies isn't always the best thing make sure you get those premiums out there. The premiums are where the scores are going to come from, and that's what's really going to propel you during the buy rounds. All right, there you go, mate. All right, there you go, Dream Team coaches. If you haven't already, make sure you check out sportsdeck.com. There are news articles every single day landing, helping you make good trades for your specific side and to navigate you through this next month of football. If you do play for the overall rankings, you're going to get a real good picture post-buy round about where you're really positioned. You might be in a good place right now, but who knows where the rest of the competition are landed. So round 13 at that point on, even after round 14, you're going to have a really good picture of how you're stacked for a final ditch run home. And for the leagues, well, you know, you've got the beauty potentially for you of not playing through the buy rounds depending on the size of your league. Good luck this week. And don't forget... You have your Thursday night vice-captain loophole open, so you can choose any Geelong or Port Adelaide players that are on field in your side to vice-captain them. And let's be honest, Fish, just about 100% of coaches are going to put it on Dangerfield. <laughs> Those that don't probably be wondering why they don't have him in their team, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, well, and especially when he's playing like he did last week. It could be very, very interesting. Good luck this week. And from us here at coachespanel.com.au, We'll chat to you soon.